And welcome back to a depressing episode of the Amazing City. This team sucks. Welcome back, Jack Ramsey, Antonio Slater. The Mets are terrible. They're a bad baseball team. Jack, how are you? Doing okay. <laughs> I am actively packing up and moving. Going to an Very apartment. Nice. Very nice. So, yeah, just got to pay all those first-time moving-in bills. Those are fun. Yep. <laughs> so, but um, you know, I'm good. Um. I'll have some thoughts and opinions. Yeah. Um, some of them, I, I I think some of them are more confusing than I'd like. Yeah. You know, because I think in a sense, you almost, you feel better about the long-term health of the franchise today than you did a week ago. Yeah. But then you're still thinking to yourself, oh, this team was just supposed to win a title. Yeah. Like, so it's supposed I to knock on the door. To, it's supposed to be in a one step further than what they did last year. I keep thinking back to what we kept on saying before the season started, that this is by far the biggest make-or-break season in Mets history. There has never been a team with a bigger target on their back than the 2023 New York Mets. There has never been a team in MLB history that is more World Series or bust than the 2023 New York Mets. You come off winning 101 games. You bring in Justin Verlander. You extend Edwin Diaz. You bring back all, all the guys that got. You You bring in David Robertson. You bring back um, Adam Adovino. You extend Brandon Neville. You extend Jeff McNeil. You expect to take a step forward, not 95 steps back. Yeah, I mean... You are um... now... Three games ahead of the Washington Nationals for last place in the NL East. Three. This, yeah, and it's, they look bad, it's, dude. It, it's a tricky spot for them because if they are not a a top six draft pick, so a bottom six team in baseball, right? Uh, their draft pick will move back ten slots, ten spots, yeah, because of um because of luxury tax ramifications. Mm-hmm. So it's just all. Oh, They've put themselves in a spot where if they're gonna suck, they gotta suck. They gotta be super like, bad. They, they they gotta be bad the rest mm-hmm. of the way. Or else and they are currently of... one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're currently ninth worst right. record in baseball. Right. And I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, you know, if the Angels and the Cubs are three or four games worse going into the deadline, mm-hmm. you know, because I think a big reason the Mets decided to sell was that there were no legitimate sellers with legitimate pieces. Right. You know, the Nationals had Candelario, and the Cardinals had Flaherty and Montgomery. Right. But beyond that, who who, was, who really had, like, legit pieces to sell? Right. So, I mean, if the, if the Cubs are instead dangling, you know, so if instead of Tommy Pham being the best bat, outfield bat in the market, it's... Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. you know, if Otani is legitimately on the market, you know, if they don't, if the Angels don't end up trading for Crone and trading for Giolito and trading for um, Grigic, mm-hmm. you know, if the Cubs don't bring in Candelaria, like the outlook in the market is incredibly different. Sure. So, you know, you kind of wonder, do the Mets, are they convinced they can, they need to sell? And I, I really believe when people say that that was a down-to-the-minute decision because of how the market shaped out. I mean, the Mets are the only team on the market with multiple legitimate pieces to sell. 
Sure. Depends on how you kind of view Jack Flaherty going into the deadline. I mean, the Cardinals had Flaherty, Montgomery, and a couple relievers. Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Um, I mean, the Mets had Verlander, Scherzer, Robertson, Pham, Canna, and apparently Dominic Leon. But that was really it. Like, no one in the Nationals was really bringing back a lot. Yeah, they weren't going to get a lot for Patrick the, Corbin. They weren't right. going to get a lot all for... All the veterans in Oakland, they're gone. Yeah. Those pieces are all they're already all in gone. Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, they're they're all in Atlanta. But those pieces are already gone. Yeah. The Mets are the only team with legit, legitimately with a bunch of pieces to sell. I mean, the best piece Kansas Colorado City sold had off. Offer. Right, they had Cronin and Grichik, who had to go on the same deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... You feel better about the long-term health of the franchise because right. Gilbert's pretty comfortably a top 50 prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. Marcos Vargas is a borderline top 100 guy. Ryan Clifford is a top 75 guy. Acuna's um, like, top 40, 50. Right, Acuna's top 40, 50. I like Justin Jarvis. Um, I think the guy they got back for Leon is interesting. You know, he's got a ton of pop. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of hit tool. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of all or nothing sellout. Uh, I think my only gripe right now is that you have you're clearly trying to lose. You're not trying to win. And you have a bunch of spots open now, but instead of giving guys like you know a Matt Rudick, a Luke Ritter, Carlos Cortez, like instead of giving guys like that play, we're like you legitimate well, even not even really Mauricio, just like well, why guys not that are, fuck it? You're 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 well, I have a lot of reasons. To lose. I have a lot of reasons. Why not Mauricio? And I'll, I think we'll get into the why not Mauricio right now conversation later. But um, like these guys are having flash in the pan years. You're having like these guys are having flash in the pan years trying to see if you can catch lightning in a bottle. But you got Ortega up, you got Arauz up, you know, like Starling Marte clearly still needs to be on the IL yeah. because of how bad his legs look. Like I wouldn't be surprised if both his groins are torn like it's it's bad um what's going on with Marte so I think my only gripe is that they're they're giving quad a 30 year olds opportunities before they're giving prospects and guys that can be legitimate contributors to the 2024 team mm-hmm. you know that could that could be two to three bats off your bench so instead of having to pay 10 million to those guys every year you're having your guys do it yeah so, you know, there are legitimate qualms there, but I think overall, like, it's hard to not like what they did. Like, going back to your original point, you have to, in a way, commend them for replenishing the farm system, especially those middle and, you know, the lower half of the top part of the farm system, which is which has been their goal. However, for the rest of this season, and as of right now, even for next season, it's hard to sell your fan base on the roster you're putting out there right now. Yes and no. Like, I get like Pete's going to draw on a crowd. Lindor is going to draw on a crowd. People love Nimmo, so they're going to go to see him. But after that, especially pitching wise, who who cares? Well, I mean, you so have Kodai got... Senga, great. But after that, you have nothing but question marks, top to bottom, including the bullpen. Well, yeah, you're going to have to build a completely new bullpen. Like no one's really, are no, you can't say otherwise. Like, you're going to have to build a completely new bullpen, which, to be fair, they did this past year. They've shown it can be done. It's just they have to go about it a different way. The, the controllable, 
Well, I mean, by technicality, yeah, every everybody but Ottavino was a pending free agent. So I mean, they built an entirely new bullpen. They just Not went about it the one. wrong. Yeah, they went about <laughs> it the wrong way. Um, I mean, the like, but if McNeil goes back to a seven fifty eight hundred OPS next year, it's a different conversation. You know, they're going to have the financial flexibility and the roster flexibility to kind of go out and do what they want to do. I mean, if they look at Tyler Mayo and they're like, that's a guy we can really elevate. And they go out and get him. Like, right. they're they're going to go and spend. We know they're going to spend. Yeah, yeah. It's just But they're going to spend, spend differently. Of course. They're not going to go for Justin Verlanders and Max Scherzer's aging end-of-the-road veterans on retirement contracts. Right. They're not going to do that anymore. So it'll it'll be interesting. This team sucks. Uh, it's, and it's, it's it's so bad. It's like I don't understand how. Like, well, but how do you how do you motivate I think the this part, team to play baseball the rest of the season? Like the guys like paid Pete, a shit ton of money to do uh, it. Uh, great, but well, if you're a guy fat. like Pete, but so but but that but that's that's the point. Yeah, they're getting paid a shit ton to do it, but they're also competitors. How do you tear out every? Because Pete's got to pay for his Pete? first. Pete's got to pay for his first contract. Well, Pete's getting it. It's, but what's it's, what the, the, I the, think the what, thing that's now think, concerning is is that first contract coming from the Mets or is it coming from a different team? Because let's face it, if they go out there and, and go, we're going to twenty twenty four with Coda Singer's opening day starter, and then after that it's it's David Peterson, Tyler McGill. The bullpen is a mess still. Does Pete say, you know what? Fuck this! I get me out of here. Sure, but I well I think is also being missed is one they're giving a clean slate for David Stearns. Yes. And that's the most important Which, part. Here. I mean, at this point, that's a formality that right. he's, that, he's going to be running this team next year. That is the most important part. And I think David Stearns is the type of executive where if he comes in and he says, Pete Alonso is great and all that, but we can do better. You have to separate Pete, the fan favorite. Sure. The whatever, the homegrown guy from the player. His skill set overall. You're looking at his total value is he's not a good defender. Improved, but he's not winning a gold glove anytime soon. No, he's not one of the top. He's not in the top half of defensive first baseman in baseball. He's probably in the 20 to 17 range of a ranking defensive first baseman in baseball. There is a case to be made the offensive skill set as a whole is already in a decline because the power is untouched and unchanged. But the power that stays in the park is out. You know, aside from that one series in Fenway, the doubles are gone. The base hits are gone. It's Homer, walk, strikeout. Like, Pete is currently the most extreme three-come-outcome player I can remember the Mets having in a while. I mean, the one that he's the one that plays every day. I mean, right. Daniel I can't Vogelbach think of one. literally on the roster. True. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of an everyday guy. Right. It's pretty extreme. So, I mean, if he comes in asking, like, all right, I want $30 million a year. The unfortunate conversation is Pete isn't a $30 million a year player. It's 
I'm pulling up the first baseman F war leaderboards. Because I don't think he's terribly close to the forefront of that conversation right now. Because you got Freeman. Sure. You got Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. You got Olsen. You got Vladdy, who's having a down year. But I Yanni think Diaz you know, is probably in there. Right. I think as a whole, when you're trying to figure out who are the best first basemen in baseball you're taking, you're probably still taking Vladdy over Pete. So looking at it right now, for registered first baseman. Top three are Freeman, Olsen, Yandy. Mm-hmm. You got Christian Walker having a pretty good year in Arizona. And he's significantly Goldie. better defensively. Right. You have Lau in Texas. Lamont Wade is playing first base Wait, these days. Oh, you said Lau in Texas. I thought you I, I heard Tampa. No, not Tampa, just Texas. Yeah. Um, and then you have Josh Naylor. Then you have Pete Alonzo coming in at nine. Mm-hmm. So if we're just going by this metric this year, you know, Pete's a top 10 first baseman in baseball. Sure. But that's a that's a position where guys historically don't get paid. But I also want to give Pete a little bit of benefit of the doubt because he did get hurt and then he rushed back from the injury. I think if right. he just if he took the proper time to heal and he came back in the three weeks instead of the less than a week he comes back fully healthy 100 and he's probably just mashing the baseball again instead of 10th he's probably pushing top five right but that's kind of where pete's peak has been lately the last handful of years but anyway was pushing top five so he was never better than goldschmidt he was never better i mean goldie was mvp last year right he was never better than freeman right he was never better than vladdy until this year he was never better than olsen you know, so he's always been at best the fifth best first baseman in baseball. Right. But even that's a position where Freddie Freeman doesn't even make 30 million a year. Matt Olson doesn't even make 25 million a year. You know, the Vladdy extension at this rate's probably gonna be around what Olson was. You know, so that's a I think Pete looking at the market and looking at what first basemen historically make, because like we've we've talked about the positional value there before when we've done the you know, who do they extend next conversation. Right. I think a fair deal right now for Pete is probably around five years, $120 million. And if he wants to go out and test that on the market, let him. Well, I just went based off of uh, F4 I mean, Ch- since Pete's debut, right? Coming in at first is Freddie Freeman, no shot. Then you have Goldie, Matt Olson, Max Muncy, surprisingly, and then there's Pete. So since so his debut, six. he has a fifth, he has no fifth. Pete's top. He's fifth in in WAR since his debut season. Right, but as as the, as these guys are constructed right now, he's not better than Yandy Diaz. No, no. Yandy Diaz is a one sixty weighted runs created plus right now. No, uh, in in twenty twenty three, there are guys that are more complete players than Pete Alonso. I, I think that's. But you know. I mean, you can argue there's. I mean, if this isn't injury related and this is just the kind of the player Pete's morphing into now, you can argue that's. Part of the, a big part of his game is on the offensive, or a big part of his offensive game is on the decline. And you don't know how long it's going to be until he's a DH, and that's the other other part of the conversation is when he just becomes a DH, right? You know, then there's no value there. Then he's Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz played for a long time, <laughs> right? And he did, and the offensive numbers were more than there, right? 
but you, there was one year deals, two year deals where he DH'd. You know, Nelson Cruz was signing for two and with two for 40 right. in Texas, one for 20 in Washington, you know, Minnesota, wherever, you know. So, like, you lose a lot of the value there. So, I think a fair deal for the Mets is probably a little bit below the market value of what Alonzo would get right now in the open market, which is probably 24, 25 million a year. I always say, give him the, the five to six years he wants. Right. But understand the back end of that contract, he's not playing the field. I think that the, the the a good rubric for Alonso is what Houston gave Jordan Alvarez. Because Jordan is a better player. I don't think there is not a soul that is going to argue that Pete Alonso is better than Jordan. But I think if memory serves, Jordan got five for 127, I think, in that ballpark. Six years, 115. Uh, six for 150, yeah. I think that's a pretty a pretty but easy the, benchmark for where the Mets and Pete Alonso should be looking at because well, power yeah. numbers are probably similar. So I'm Jordan's gonna I'm just player, gonna disagree. Yeah, I, I mean Jordan is is essentially a DH. But the issue there is that that was very early in Jordan's service time. So a lot of that is buying out early arbitration years where they're like, look, instead of you making two million dollars, you know, if it and like a rough estimate, we're going to pay you five, you know, so that way those first two years of free agency, you're making 25 million a year instead of us having to pay you 35, 40. I mean, I just look at the Olsen contract and the Freeman contract. Like I look at the numbers they got, how much they're getting per year, how many years. Well, Freeman is, is four or five years older. So you have to factor that in still significantly better player, but still the age is going to work into it. And Matt Olson is an Atlanta brave and they're a bunch of cheaters. So, <laughs> right. But unfortunately know, the cheaters impact the market, you of know, of course, but they're, but I they're think a whole if different subsection because the deals that they get their players to sign are, I don't know. I don't know right. what the hell yeah. is going on there. But I mean, Freeman will play first base longer than Pete probably is in terms of their age. Likely. And Freeman is a way better player, but he didn't even get 30 million a year on the open market where he was also said to have interest from the Yankees and some, some interest from the Mets and interest from the Giants mm-hmm. and the Dodgers he signed with. Like those are big market teams who are more than willing to throw the money around. Sure. You know, so I think like there's no world where Pete Alonso gets $30 million. There probably isn't a world where he gets $25 million. And the, I think the reason there's no extension right now is because, for all we know, Billy Epler might not even been the one really kind of running the trade deadline. Mm. I mean, you don't like. I think the biggest misconception in Mets land right now is that Billy Epler will be gone after this year. I agree. He will still be the general manager I, I of the New York Mets. I, I there will just I be now be a president a of baseball conclusion. operations. Yeah. He's not, well, him listen, and Stearns I, are best friends. No, I, oh, sure. But I, listen, do I think there is a chance that Billy Epler is fired after this year? I do. But I do think after the trade deadline, I don't think you make the moves you do unless you have some sort of certainty or a glimmer of hope that you're going to be here for at least one more year. I don't think you do a sell-off like you do. Because, listen, if I were a GM and I think I have, I only have a couple months left, I'm buying instead of selling. No, I'm right. not. I'm not trading off Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. I don't care what their turn is. If I but, have, if I know for a fact, I only have two more left, two more months left before I get the axe and I'm back on, on on the unemployment line. Guess what? I'm calling up teams. I'm saying, all right, Cardinals, what do you want for Jack Flaherty? What do you want for Nolan Arenado? I'm going. I'm 
I'm doing exactly what Perry Manasian did over in, in, in LA. Exactly what he did. Because I think this is probably my final kick at the can before right. I'm out. Right. But so the diff, I, th- I think the thing that is keeping me here is also Epler has, has the ties to Stearns and ties David, to Otani. If you're David Stearns and you're the, David Stearns is going to have the autonomy to do what he wants. Yeah. I don't think his first move is going to be firing one of his better personal friends. I do think Buck is out, though. He gone. I know for a fact Buck is out. <laughs> like, I have it on fairly good authority. He's already telling people he's out. I mean, I mean, from the second he started talking about, um, like, the second you started talking about player development wins out, you're like, all right, this guy's gone. <laughs> but there's no, I, I think David Stearns is going to come in with, here's your GM, here's your infrastructure. Here's your roster. Here's your coaching staff. Do what you want to do. Right. So maybe that's a reassignment of Billy Epler to, you know, assistant general manager. Maybe, maybe there is no general manager. Maybe it's an assistant general manager and he's focusing on roster construction. Right. And Ben Zosmer is still the assistant general manager with a focus on analytics and research. Also possible. You know, and Tom Tanos is assistant general manager with a focus on scouting in the inter- domestic and international, like you don't know what he's gonna want to do, but you also know he's he's gonna get he's gonna be given the autonomy to do what he wants to do. But I also don't think he takes a job if Steve is like, yeah, you got Buck for one more year. Yeah, so he's gonna say, okay, call me back in a year. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't. He does not taking that job if Steve is gonna say, all right, but I'm letting go of Billy. Right. You know, or maybe that's very much gonna. I, be I think David would Stearns also want or. Or whoever the the president president baseball ops is, we're assuming it's David Stearns. We think it's David Stearns, but right. we won't we know, know until the Mets he... are bringing David Stearns in. We don't know in what capacity, eh. you know. And I don't see a world where the Mets fire Steve, the Mets fire B- Billy Epler and just hire David Stearns as general manager. Right. It'll be it'll be a president of the baseball ops role. You know, who knows? Maybe it's the the those uh, Steve and. David works something into Billy's contract where he can take lateral moves, you know, to be a GM elsewhere, but to be the main decision maker. Right. You know, and I, while 2023 has been a debacle, his, his fingerprints were all over the 2022 team and 101 wins. And then maybe their shortcomings. Yes. But I mean, he's kind of operating you know, the Mets are operating in weird times, you know, yeah. having to try spend that much money just to be competitive immediately. Right. You know, it's it's weird times. I think he's done a fine job all in all. Fine. It's it's been fine. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, listen. They won hundred one games. They've kind of sucked this year, but I could have easily been convinced in mid like after coming out of the break, you know, before they decided to sell. I could have been convinced they could have made a run if they added 100%. two relievers. In a bat, you know, if they got Condelario. If they went and out they and get they traded for like Paul Candelario, they traded the for a level reliever. If they went out and they got Jack Flaherty, Jordan Hicks, and a complimentary bat, I think without question, we're talking about the Mets in a different light right now. Right. But and again, like we've said before, that's just the way the market was. It was hard to say no to selling. It was a seller's market. There, there was one seller. <laughs> It was a seller, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were 
the one pretty girl at the bar. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Seattle did very well with the Paul Seawall trade. They got three very high upside guys. But outside of that, like, I don't think any other or any other yeah, trade I mean, is just like, wow. Hey, Oscar I, didn't even move. The Cardinals' moves were all kind of meh. Yeah. You know, the Mets made out probably better than anyone else at the deadline. White Sox did okay. Yeah. But they had to trade several years of controlling Jake Berger to get anything worth of value. I hated that trade for Miami. Eater's like good, a, man. I don't like a single thing Miami did at the deadline. I, I don't like Josh. I don't think Josh Bell is a fit. No, that was rant. Garrett Cooper. Is a really good baseball player. Yeah, I, I don't understand field. giving up on Garrett Cooper that quickly. Because Josh Bell stinks defensively. Yeah, I don't understand the Cooper <sighs> for Bell swap. No, that made literally. And they should have cut Gene Segura a month ago. Yeah. No, it's I didn't like a single thing they did. I yeah, felt no, like Shimming. I thought she just panicked. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, getting I mean, David Robertson, sure. Right. Yeah, but even then, I. I think they overpaid for him. I think the Mets made out like bandits in that deal. Sure, but we know my problems with that deal. Um, I mean, it's just looking at the farms. It's now a top ten farm system in baseball. Right, and again, it, and it's back layered. To it and you, it's you take layered away timeline. You take you away your emotion ways. of this team being absolute trash, garbage for the last fifty-five games of the season. You take away the fact that next year has yeah. potential to be bad. <laughs> it could be very bad. But you think about who they brought in, you take away that emotion from it, and you just look at the singular deals that they made and the overall grouping of the eight or ten prospects, whatever it was that they brought in. You're now elevated from a bottom ten farm system in baseball. Bottom three. To a top ten. I was being generous with bottom ten. Because, I mean, I think, like, the 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 feeling from a lot of people is that Ronnie Mauricio was their best prospect. But Ronnie has really come back to earth. Right. His numbers are not that far above league average in AAA. And the underlying numbers you're really looking for, the chase rates, the walk rates, the outside of the zone swing rates. Yeah. Those aren't stabilizing. They're they're stagnant still. They've stayed the same. Right. So it's I I mean, you gotta I, I really, really like what they did. But they have it they have waves now. You talk about waves of prospects coming in. They have that now. You know, you're gonna have guys like Clifford. Vassal, Scott. I'm Mauricio. I'm, yeah. I, I'm pulling Mauricio. up his stats right now. And despite some of his, like, you know, the power numbers are good and stuff like that, he is a league average hitter, WRC plus at 100 on the nose. Yeah. It's it's not a case of prospect fatigue. But um, he's going to go 2020, which is, you know, it's good, but. While hitting 195 and striking out 40% of the time. I was hitting 290. Playing on the big leagues. Oh, right. But, um, no, I mean, they have layers. They have more depth at each position. And they just brought in a bunch of athletic dudes. They brought in starters and shortstops and center fielders. And I think that's another key point. The With the way the new rules are, Having an older team does not work. Look at the older teams in baseball right now. The Mets stink. The Yankees stink. The Cardinals stink. The Padres stink. Blue Jays, to a respect, underwhelming. 
Right, but the the, the, the Blues at least have a, a Phillies balance. pitching for the most part. I mean, right. You want to talk about a guy who likes to take his time, Taiwan Walker. And that now you look at the younger teams. The Reds are fun. The D-backs, a bunch of these young teams, the Cubs to an extent. The the Dodgers are still pretty young, even though they have another, they're pretty balanced as well. The younger teams are thriving. The older teams are not. So they're doing another good job here of letting go of some of the guys that on the at the end of their career. The David Robertson was tough. Max Scherzer, Verlander, Tommy, Tommy Pham. We talked about these guys already. But now they're doing a much better job of bringing in younger guys, more athletic guys. That's going just going to help them for the next decade. No, yeah, and when you're looking at prospects and you want to get high upside guys, you want to get the shortstops, the starters, the center fielders. You don't mm-hmm. want guys that are already tied to left field. So if it doesn't work out there, you got right. nothing. Right. You don't want someone who's already shortening up and pitching in relief. If you're mm-hmm. looking for pitching prospects, so if relief doesn't work out, you got nothing. You know, shortstops. If he's a first baseman, it doesn't work out, you got nothing. Right. So it's I. You got you got to be athletic in today's game. Yeah, with between the pitch clock, the increase in stolen bases, and a new emphasis on defense because of the lack of shifting. You you got to be athletic, and I think the Mets targeted athletic guys. Speaking I, of I athletes, think I think one of the guys that's really getting lost in the shuffle is, and it kind of understandably so because of all the guys they brought in. Jet Williams is on fire right now. He's been. He's been great. If he wasn't, if they hadn't acquired all those prospects, he'd probably be pushing, jumping over Parada right. as the top prospect in the system. Because I've been going back and forth in them for a while. You know, I go back and forth in them all the time. But Jet just kept closing and closing and closing the gap. Because, you know, he is a, you talk about, I was saying, you bring in the shortstops, bring in the center fielders. He's both. Yeah. With an elite eye. Oh, yeah. Arguably the best eye in the minor leagues. It's incredible what he's doing. Like it, it really is impressive. Jacob Reimer is doing great too. You know, like I, I, I just wish that in maybe a week or two they start to bring you know the the Mike Vassals up to get starts. My yeah, only so- problem is, and it's great that the guys that they're brought in are are athletic and they're athletic freaks and play multiple positions. But I still have a problem of who's pitching for this team. They're still like. Besides See, and, Justin Jarvis, I don't think they really brought in any significant pitching. Because they don't really need upper-level pitching prospects. Mm-hmm. I mean, in their top 20 prospects, they have six or seven starters between double-A AA and triple-A. You got Tid... Well, yeah, Tidwell, Vassal, Hamill, Jarvis, Scott, Stewart, Sprout. Mm-hmm. That's seven guys in their top 20 prospects. But, I mean, if Mike Vassell comes up and pitches you know, eight, nine starts down the stretch and is pretty good, I think you're comfortable penciling him in for next year for the fifth spot because next year's going to be a year where they have to see and figure out if some of these prospects ready to hit the show can be contributors. Right. You know, whether you like it or not, you've got to see if Mike Vassell can be an everyday – can be a, a every start guy for you. Yeah. You gotta see if Mark Vientos can be that guy. You gotta give Beatty the shots despite the slump. And you're gonna have to give Mauricio a shot. You're gonna have to give Christian Scott a shot when the, these guys are ready. Mm-hmm. So I think next year's gonna have to be that type of year for them. So yeah. but it's I it's you you feel better about the long term health of everything now. It, impossible not to. 
And I mean, even then, just like like Bob Nightingale casually dropping in one of his tweets about the Verlander trade. Well, they basically clean slate for when they hire David Stearns in October. <laughs> like it's, it's like it's like the worst kept secret in baseball right now. It really is. No, it really is. I mean, granted, it was Bob Nightingale, so make fall through. But in all likelihood, we're we're talking about David Stearns running this this organization. Right. And like he gets a lot of slack. But I think like you look at a small market guy going to a large market, Heim Bloom. Yeah. And he gets some slack, but he was kind of working in the opposite constraints of what Stearns will have. You know, when Bloom came in, they had shrinking payroll, ownership focused on the Penguins instead of the Red Sox. Yeah. He came, but he, he tanked came the biggest was... season of all time. Marcelo Mayer is now a top prospect in baseball. Top three, I think. Right. He didn't, he opted not to give Bogarts that contract. I mean, which is or, now looking like a great decision. Why would it? Yeah. I mean, we even talked about that from the jump that that was, that's going to be an awful contract. Right. You extend Devers, which starting to look like obviously the right idea. I mean, when you, when it comes to got, trading guys like Mookie, Masi Yoshida should win rookie of the year. Right. And that you know, deal got dumped. Brian Bello looks great. Yeah. I mean, when it caught, I mean, even Josh Winkowski. Who was a Met farmhand for two months. Yeah. You know, like one of the better swing men in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, sure, you can dump on him all you want. The only deal that's kind of backfiring on him right now is uh, Kluber. Right. And you had, you know, I think probably sticking with Kike for too long. Yeah. You know, hoping he could bridge you to Mayer starting next year. Right. But, I mean, it was a 20 game season. They faked it. You bring Mayer in, you now have one of the. You have him, you have Roman Anthony, who's burst onto the scenes, a top 100 guy, mm-hmm. legit outfielder with legit bat. So, I mean, you're going to have David Stearns coming in with the opposite. You're going to go from financial constraints in Milwaukee to an open checkbook in New York. So, I think you're going to try and get the perfect medium of, you know, that guy, that $300 million guy sitting on the open market. I do want that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go get that. While also, this 15th rounder, we're going to turn him into a legitimate number two. Like you're going to get the perfect balance of both. And it's, I think the long-term health of the Mets is in really good shape. Cause even I'm just talking about Verlander and Scherzer, if you're paying them both 83, 80, you're paying them $86 million next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're both posting ERAs over four. That year doesn't have potential to be bad. <laughs> that, that is bad. Yeah, that is bad. And you still have to be all in in a sense. So that fifth starter spot, you're probably paying legit money to. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give David Peterson credit, too. He has been phenomenal since coming back up. I think he's got I think 26 innings back, five earned runs, something like that. He was 25 innings back, six earned runs. But the Mets are going to have to be giving some of these guys one last chance. I mean, they're doing that with um, with McGill. With Miguel starting today, you know, like you're gonna have to give these guys one last chance to figure it out. And I give Peterson credit for to this point taking it and running with it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, mean, we've said time and time again, he's been for a good chunk of his career, he's been dogged. You know, with the with being promoted, then sent down, being promoted, sent down. You're in this role, Peterson? then you're in that role. Yeah, David Peterson. 
Yeah, and I mean, even like most teams last year when he has those stretch of starts and he's lights out every start and he's dominating the Atlanta Braves, throwing 99-mile-per-hour heaters. Mm-hmm. Like you're in that that that's your rotation spot going forward. Yeah. So I just pulled up David Peterson's line since he came back up to your point, and you're pretty on the money. Uh, ten games, four starts, twenty six and a third, six earned runs, an ERA of two point zero five, uh, opponent average of two forty seven. Well, uh, I mean, walks. Uh, he has. Yeah, this is this needs to be fixed 24 strikeouts to 14 walks so 14 walks in 26 innings it's not great um it's like five walks per nine yeah but that was his big bugaboo beforehand except before he got sent he wasn't getting outs and now he's getting some and he's pitching different we talked about i talked about it before when he was really getting shelled every time it's like they flipped the slider and the fastball they wanted the fastball to be the out pitch and the slider to be the strike pitch but he's got such a big slider you know, it can start inside of the zone and finish outside of the zone. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it, they fixed that. They flipped that in Syracuse, and it's been fixed. And he's been pitching great. It's been a lot better, yeah. Right, so this is going to be stuff to watch out for the last couple months. You know, how does he do? How does McGill do? You know, Grant Hartwig, what happens there? You know, guys, you know, Drew Smith, guys that really are on the fringes of the roster heading into next year. Yeah. You know, because like we all, we you love st- stats from spring training and seeing what guys do in spring. But David Peterson had a scoreless spring training, mm. and then sucked for the first three months of the season. Was the worst picture in baseball. So it's you'd rather be talking about all right, we're making this playoff push, but you're kind of that prospect watch. And this is why I, I kind of like our dynamic because. You're very you're you're locked in on the prospects. You're like, wow, I love this return for that guy. I'm like, I want to fucking die. <laughs> you're like, Poof, Marcos Vargas, this kid's gonna be a stud. I'm like, yeah, but we've got to wait half a decade <laughs> before we even see him. Well, and that's why I, I kind of liked what they did because it felt like like they addressed the immediate need, right. But the immediate need being, all right, these three guys required are all going to be ready in a year. So this time next year, we're going to be, you know, like they'll be trading away Luis Guillorme because they need a prop. They need a roster spot for Luis on Helicuna. Speaking of trade, I, I think that's another thing that I think we're kind of forgetting about is that there's no guarantee that all these guys they brought in are going to be with the roster long term. What if they decide, right. you it's- know what, we have an opportunity here. Maybe we trade Clifford and Jarvis and Jarvis someone and else already Ronald in the Hernandez system. for Dylan Cease. Right. And I think that's Ooh, kind of who's saying that's not an option. It's not. No one's saying that. I mean, it's I think they kind of tried to get as much value as they can. You know, teams got value charts and all that. It gives you flexibility. The Mets have roster flexibility for next year, payroll flexibility for next year. And they have prospect value capital. And they're giving that to David Stearns, who built a legitimate year-in, year-out winner and a World Series contender in Milwaukee. and it's Plus you have be... the guy that's the richest owner in baseball. Right. And they're giving him a blank slate. And I think that's exactly what you need to do. Yeah. It's the right decision. Long-term, it's the right decision. It just it's sucks just, in the moment. It's And again, I said it before, I'll say it again. You have to commend them for how creative they were in being able to acquire these guys because 
just trading Max Scherzer in the Lords year of 2023 was not going to give you Luis on Helicuna. It, it simply wasn't. The guy stinks. He's not good right now. Well, and you know the next CBA, the, the owners are going to want to oh. limit how much money you can put. You know, like yeah. the NHL, you can only eat 50% of a contract. MLB owners are going to be looking for that because that's the thing for the Baltimore Orioles, the Cincinnati Reds, the Tampa Bay Rays. They build farm systems, and they hit on half of those guys. But when you hit on half your best prospects, you're the greatest player development department in baseball. Right. I mean, of the seven guys I named, the seven starters, if two of those guys are, are either a three, a four, or a five, that's a win. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. If out of that group of guys I named, Tidwell's a three, Vassal's a four, Stewart's a five. You have Kodai Senga as your two. Now you just need, you go out and you trade for a Dylan Cease. You or, sign Aaron Nola. Or no, whoever. That's an, that's an option. Or, but, and, like, and, and with each waking day, I'm less getting, just bring Shohei Otani. Right, yeah. It's but not like, going to happen. I know it's not. Well, you can just say F it and bring in Shohei Otani. But maybe maybe that's your blank slate for Stearns is here's a bunch of prospects. Here's a decent major league core. I'm going to go sign you the best player in the world. You figure out the rest. <laughs> like, honestly, that might if be Steve's you really want to go to team winter, with your... It's just like, I got you, Otani. DS, take it the rest of the way. <laughs> I'm, right, like if I'm you can figure out the I'm bullpen buy more art. what guys are and aren't going to work, I don't really care about that. I'll just go fly to Japan with Billy, and we'll go talk to Shohei in the offseason. I'm going to go sign no, the greatest baseball player to, of, to ever live. Excuse me. You can build the bullpen. But um, no, I think they're giving him a blank slate full of value. Right. So he can, if he wants to come in and be like, no, these, these guys are going to hit. Yeah. Me and my player development guys, they're, we're going to do this. Or if it's going to be, all right, yeah, I don't like many of these guys. But no one knows that. So I'm going to flip them all. The thing about David Stearns is you look at what he's built in Milwaukee. What's the one thing that they've had year in, year out? Dominant pitching. Well, yeah, but dominant pitching. Those tend to go together. (laughs) (laughs) So I fully expect that he'll bring a lot of his player development guys with him. I built a dominant rotation, turned Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff before he got there were not good. They were top prospects. But for the first couple of years in the big leagues, they had not shown any signs of, of fulfilling that prospect status. Right. But now and... you look at Corbin Burns as a top pitcher in the game. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns free range, by the way. Brandon Woodruff, another top pitcher in the game. Josh Hader, top closer in the game. Devin and Williams, you know, top closer in the game. And you know Stearns is going to bring in his own player development guys and his own manager. Yeah. That's the other thing is he's going to bring in his own manager, his own coaches. You know, probably not a Craig Council. But he's going to bring in his own dudes, and you're going to trust those dudes to figure it out. Maybe that's what our next five or six podcasts are. But I just, I just, David Stern's my, watch. I just talked myself into Corbin Murray's being a mad God damn it. I'm upset. I, 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 mean, did, I, I did it to myself. It. I did it to myself. And look, I just, I, I he has think one more year after next year. So I'm I'll, from fine. I'll take Corbin Burns on the match. I'm from the school of thinking, right? Don't think you need a legitimate one to win in the playoffs. But I think you need you need as many twos and threes as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, if your fifth starter is, you know, that's kind of what did the Mets great last year was Taiwan Walker last year was really like a two or a three on some other teams. He got paid he like it. Mets four. 
Right. But if you're looking at the Phillies last year, Zach Wheeler was pretty good. But Zach Wheeler probably was was the worst number one in the National League playoffs. You know, yeah, Degrom was better this year, right? Degrom was better. Musgrove was better last year. Um, probably better than the Cardinals number one last year. But he was not better than what the Dodgers had. Shitty, are we really doing this right now? <laughs> and not better than what Atlanta had. And he's been not great this year. It's a big reason why they're struggling. Right. But him, Nola, and Suarez, those are all legitimate number twos. They were all pitching like it. So you, the drop-off wasn't nearly as bad. It was consistent. The talent level was consistent, and that's what won out. Sure. Was how high the floor was. I mean, sure, I think they started Bailey Falter one game. Yeah. But Nola, Wheeler, and Suarez is what got them to the World Series. So if you're the Mets, like I, Corbin Burns might not be a number one anymore. Oh, I think he is. I think he probably still is. I'd agree. Uh, I think he very much is number one. Even then Woodruff, like I'm not sure Woodruff is a number one. But if you go Woodruff, Sanga, you know, let's say. You really believe Mike Vassell's number five. You got Vassell in there, Quintana in there. Throw in Tyler Mail. Molly. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck. I think it's Molly. Whatever. Well, either way. You know, throw in a legit number three. Throw in Aaron Nola. Marcus Stroke. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but throw these guys in, and I, th- I think it works long term. I really do. I think it could. It's for different reasons. This offseason is the Mets are going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, last off well, is because what, how many millions and billions of dollars are they going to spend in luxury taxes? And this year it's just going to be a, what are they going to do to try to rebound from this debacle of a year? How are they going to completely change course? Is it going to be a transition year? Are they buying? Are they trying to compete? Or are they just going to bring in guys on one and two year deals and trade them at the deadline? It's, it's, there's so many different avenues that this Mets team can go in the next year or two. Well, the most important story. What the, what the most important? Story what do I do with Pete? The rest it's... of the year. Well, and here's here's what I think is the most important story of the rest of the year. And this will be kind of our hot take question, yes, no answer, whatever we do to end the show. Mm. Before we record next, which we'll call two weekends from now, so we'll say August nineteenth. Mm. Conveniently, my birthday. Um, oh, turning twelve. Um, will Ronnie Mauricio? Be on the big league club in two weeks' time. I'm going to say yes. I'm, I think, I'm leaning yes. I, I find it hard to believe. That I think mid-August is when they start to kind of, you know, you you think you want to give these guys, you want to let the dust settle from the deadline. You know, you don't want to trade away Fam Verlander and Scherzer and go, hey, but that Ronnie Mauricio guy, <laughs> go on up, buddy. Like, I think you want to give it a couple weeks, let the dust settle, and then call him up. So they're right. clear they're two separate occurrences. Yeah, lose 13, 14, 15 games in a row and then call them up. <laughs> right. But um, like, listen, I know we're having the longest losing streak franchise history. The kid is Ryan here. <laughs> so I, 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 you have to call him up this year. Yeah. So I think you also want to call him up and give him 40, 50 games. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna I, I'm leaning yes. I lean yes as well. I think they'll play they'll give him legit running left field. Yeah. I'm not sure how to go, but I neither am I. 
I think it's really the last time we ended the show like that in agreement. Yeah, it, it's it's becoming more and more rare. <laughs> Especially when they're bad. <laughs> yeah. We're two different types of fans when the team sucks. Yeah. 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 Makes um, for great content. Sure does. Sure. I, I mean, listen, this team has been very hard to watch pretty much for a majority of the season. But I'll tell you what, these last two, three episodes have been fun. I, I, Rafael Ortega is going to be the great immaculate grid answer. Oh, he sure is. Jonathan sure Arau was the fucking mm-hmm. grid today. No teams on it. Oh, dude, I killed it. I, I felt good. Nice little I think 80. I got an eight. I don't remember which one I fucked up. Hmm. I think I got cute on like an MVP and a silver slugger. Ah, that's the problems on there. Easy. You try to get cute. That's what kills you. Mm-hmm. Don't get that's cute. Stay ugly. That's <laughs> put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> we'll do athletes logo needs to jump on that. Oh boy. Well, again, this has been fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Jack Ramsey, Tony Slater, like, comment, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unfollow, refollow, make more accounts, follow again. You're going to have to pay 8,000 Twitter blue, X blue, whatever the fuck it is, but pay the money, make new accounts, follow us again, subscribe on YouTube again. Dude, you really could do auctioneering. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, LFGM. <laughs>